Help us, Lord, to hear your word and everything that you're speaking to us, Lord. Let us be attentive and in tuned uh, to what it is that you're doing in your church right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Turn with me into your Bibles, into Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one, verse number 26. I read this scripture uh, in membership class this morning and told them that I was gonna read it again and here I am keeping my word this morning. Genesis chapter one, verse number 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Today, we're wrapping up a series about the vision for our church in this coming year. Multiply. Multiplication, dominion. Why? Why should we multiply? Why should we have dominion? What purpose of it is there? I realized that it was, yes, it was the command of God for us to be fruitful and multiply. But why? Why is it necessary that we multiply? Why is it necessary that we have dominion? Is it just some kind of egotistical, um, really arrogant ploy to put more of me? Do I really think that the world needs more of me in this? Yes, there's something that we should embrace because we're obedient to the words and commands of God, but there's more to multiplication than just blind obedience. There's more to multiplication and dominion than blind obedience and just doing the right thing. Growing up, many of you, probably like me, had parents that would ask you to do something and you didn't always get to ask yourself why or them why. Well, mama, why do I have to do that? In fact, sometimes maybe you ask why and you got in trouble for asking why you questioning the wrong thing. Maybe you had parents that raised you, that gave you a directive, and you didn't have time to ask why before you were expected to move and act. I was given something, and then there was no time for thought. If you didn't act right then, something was about to happen to you. Amen, Seth, don't shake your head so hard. There's more to multiplication than blind obedience. You just did what you were asked. You just did what was expected of you because you knew that they were the authority in your life and you submitted to them and you were submissive to their leadership because that's the way God created it. That's the way that he instituted the family. The parents are not supposed to be ruled by their children despite what most uh, public schools think that parents don't have to be ruled by their children. In fact, they should be in uh, submission to their parents. Amen? That's the only child. That's the, I tell that to Abigail all the time. Whenever we are having a conversation with her about listening, I said, Abigail, do you understand that you only have one thing to do? There's only one commandment given to you. 
to you teenagers, there's only one commandment that's given to you. And that is that you are supposed to listen to your mama and your daddy. You are supposed to submit to them. You are supposed to listen to what they say. You have to be obedient. My daddy said, if you want to live a long life, you better be obedient. Because that's what the Bible says. He says, so that their days may be long upon the earth. If you didn't listen very, um, listen, I, I say this all the time. Those who don't listen, learn. And if you learn, you'll start to listen. I didn't listen very well a few times in my life, so I learned very quickly so I could listen a little better. I'm pretty good at listening now. Why? Because I learned. These kids and these kinds of scenarios play out in many things that you might not have even questioned. And, but it's likely that at some point you did do something contrary to what they had asked of you and you found out why they didn't want you to do it. Maybe they told you, hey, stay back from the oven. If, you're, if you've had little children in your family or your house when you're in the, in the kitchen cooking, when you open that door, you, how many of you have ever had to put your hand out, baby, stay back from here. You don't realize that this is hot. You just say, stay back. Abigail has now gotten to the place now to where if the oven opens, she gets three or four tiles back away. She understands what we're telling her. But it takes once, come on, it takes once for somebody to tell you, stay back, that's hot, for you to touch it and find out why. They didn't have to explain to you anymore why you didn't need to touch that. But if you had listened in the first place, your fingers wouldn't have got burned. See, they tell us certain things and people give us certain directions and we don't always understand why the decision was made or why that thing happened or why they did this. And it's not out to hurt you most of the time. In fact, a lot of time it has to do with protecting you. That's something that we have that conversation with Abigail continually. Abigail, don't stand on the, on the arm of the chair. Why? I know it's fun. I know you like to walk around like a ballerina on everything. But if you fall off and bust your head, guess what? It's going to hurt. And you have to learn. And you don't always have to understand. In fact, I realize that we don't want to live our life by blind obedience. But sometimes I'd rather be, live by blind obedience than a hurt body. <laughs> your parents would have that for you as well. I'll never forget the day that I was, I was, I was a child. I don't remember how old I was. I just remember what happened, and I never did it again. My daddy was burning leaves in the front yard, and he was on the other side of the creek. We had a big front yard, and the creek ran through the front yard. We were on the other side of the creek down by Bubba's house. Anybody got a neighbor named Bubba? And uh, we were out there at Bub near Bubba's house burning leaves, and Dad had been probably cutting trees with his chainsaw or something, and he had a can of gas out there. And I picked up this can of gas because I wanted to pour it on the fire because I wanted to see it get real big. I knew if we, I thought of lighter fluid, when you squirt that on there, it does the same thing. Well, guess what? Gas ain't lighter fluid. And um, I picked up that can of gas and was headed for that leaf pile. And uh, I started to pour that on that pile and my whole body levitated off of the ground. All at one time, he said, don't you do that. And I heard him say it and I kept on going. And that, and listen, I wasn't abused. But I listened after he did certain things to me. And um, he, uh, I was not listening that day. 
And I remember feeling a swift change in my body because I was about to pour that gas on there. And all of a sudden, I started floating on my feet. And guess what? I, I didn't try to pour gas on no more fires. But I had, he couldn't afford for me to learn. I had to listen because the direction was so important that I had to go, even though I did not under, I didn't know that it would blow up. I didn't know that it would all go back into the gas can and blow up on me and we would both be in the hospital. I didn't know that all of that would happen. And there are certain things that get told to us that are so important that we have to listen even if we don't understand why. Well, I don't understand why they did that. It's okay. You're not sitting in the seat that they're sitting in. We talked about that a little bit at Volunteer Summit not too long ago, that you don't always understand every decision that I make. You don't always understand every, the why behind everything that gets done. But you also don't see everything that your leader sees, that your pastor sees. I did not see that that gas was going to explode in my face. But I didn't have a chance to learn. I had to listen. Certain things I had to learn. Certain things I had to listen. Maybe... When we submit to the Lord or godly leadership, it is that we are trusting that they're making decisions with our best interest in mind. If you're submitting yourself to a pastor, to a leader, to somebody, to the Lord, if you're submitting yourself to God, you have to believe and know that he has your best interest. I don't understand why I can't do that. Yes, but you have to understand that it has your best interest in mind. I realize that there are people in this world that will take advantage of you. They, don't, they will use you. They will manipulate you. They will try to harm you in ways that may not be physical. They'll try to twist thoughts in your head. I realize that that exists. I realize that there are bad people in this world. But if you find somebody that the Lord has put in your life, if you will submit yourself to him, I don't have to worry about the mistreatment of who I am because he is an always good God. We might not always know why God has given us certain directives. We might not. And there may be things that he tells us to do that we never get an answer for until we stand before him one day. But we have to trust that he has ordered our step and is guiding our path. There is a purpose in God's command for us to multiply and have dominion. You might not understand why it is that you need to have a reproductive process in your life, but God does. You may look at, the, at your life and everything about you and say, I don't know why the Lord wants more of me. That's not always up for you to decide. There are things about you and things about your life and things about your personality and things about the way that you were created that God realizes and knows that is needed in the earth today, even if you don't. Because if you really believe that the scripture is true, then you have to acknowledge that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. What does that mean? God carefully knit you together in your mother's womb with the intent of you doing something for the kingdom of God here on earth. Well, pastor, I don't always understand what that is. You have a goal, and that is to be fruitful and to multiply. If you are serving the Lord, if you have submitted yourself to him, then you have to go and bear fruit. 
the plans that he's given you has a purpose connected to them. It's not just for you to float through life with no purpose and direction. God isn't interested in you wasting time. No, I believe that God has planned your life from the very beginning. I believe that the plans of God are very specific to the life that you are called to live. I don't think that there's just a general blanketed statement for you. I think that you have a very God-ordained, designed, specific purpose in this life that you are to live and fulfill. And I don't think it's like mine either. There may be parts of it that look like mine, but I think you have a purpose that God made just for you. I think there are people that you are meant to come in contact with, minister to, have conversations and relationship with that otherwise might not be possible for me because I can't go where you go. In fact, multiplication and reproduction cannot be left only on church authority or leadership. It has to be done by you. Because there are so many places, people, groups, homes, and families that are represented in just this room today. I can't sit at every table that you sit at. I can't go to work with you every day. I can't sit and answer the emails that you do or talk to these people on the phone. I can't do all of these things. I'm not at your dinner table at night. But you are. And there are people that are around you that know you, that are connected to you, that identify with how you are. People might not always understand you, but there are some that do. I realize that everybody don't like me. Sometimes I don't even like me. I realize that everybody don't understand why I am the way I am. I realize that there are moments that I'm widely misinterpreted, that people hear something totally different coming out of my mouth than the words that I'm saying. But there are certain people that you come in contact with that you know need the Lord, but for some reason you're connected to them. They speak the same language that you do. You can say things. And you realize that they're away from God. You know that they're not connected to him. You know that they live in sin. You know that there's things wrong with what's going on. You know that they got character issues. You know that there's problems. But for some reason, you have a relationship with that person. For some reason, they, are, they allow themselves to be themselves around you, even though they know you're different. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Highlight that person in your mind right now. Just as I was talking about that, there's probably two or three people that popped in your mind. I know there was for me. People that I just come in contact with that for some reason, they don't have anything in common with me. Yet for some reason, we've got a relationship. You live this life and I live that. You're okay with this and I'm not. But for some reason, we're together. The Lord has done that on purpose. The Lord has done that on purpose. There's a reason for that to happen because there are parts of you that need to be in them. There are parts of your life, the way that you communicate with God, the way that you talk with him, parts of your relationship that need to be multiplied again into them. You have influence. Pastor, I'm not really a leader. Yes, but you have influence. And leadership is influence. You are influencing people at an astronomically higher level than you ever think you are. If you're like me, Sierra and I had this conversation yesterday. We were out of state and 
uh, I had a conversation with another pastor in a different church, and, um, and he said, yeah, we've been talking about you. And, and my ears perk up. I'm like, really, you, you said something about me? Because I don't think that people talk about me. I guess it's because I'm not paranoid. Like, I, I don't think that people go away from here and have conversations about me, but they do. Some good, some not so much. I've been on both ends of it, and you have too. But I don't sit there and think about that. I never think that somebody is thinking about me. The only time I think that somebody's thinking about me is whenever I'm around them, and they acknowledge me. So to me, I don't think of that often. I don't think about that that way, and so what does that make me feel like? It makes me feel like I don't really have a lot of influence in people, and I'm not put down by it. But what it does whenever somebody does say that to me, hey, we were having a conversation about you the other day, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I had no idea that you ever thought about me after this conversation ended. But yet you do. So what does that tell me? There's influence there. I have influence there. It made, it meant enough to somebody. I meant enough to somebody that they would communicate my name to other people at a different place, in a different state, at a different, all of these things. And that conversation existed. Why? Because I had influence. And you have that with more people than you think you do. Pastor, are people talking about me? Probably so. Probably so. Let's just be honest. Sometimes y'all crazy. Sometimes you do something that matters and you touch somebody's life and they have to talk about it. People, people are more connected to you than you think that they are. So multiplication happens because of these relationships. In fact, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna go into this, but I will say this in an excerpt of something you'll probably read again one day. Multiplication is not a manufactured product. It is a product of intimacy. Multiplication only happens because two people can come together. The only way that you can reproduce as humans is if two people come together. Which is why it was Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Because them two had to come together because it had to be that way. Or multiplication wasn't going to happen. It's the way God created it. Multiplication happens because of relationships, not just because of acquaintances. I can know people and I can have influence in people. But it's the time that somebody pulls you aside and says, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Hey, I need to, this has been going through my mind and this has been in my heart. Can I share that with you? Yeah. You can, because we need to have this conversation. I will put everything on pause for that moment. Everything in my life. I have, I have um, foregone very important things in my day-to-day -day work life for that moment because I knew it was going to happen. Why? Because those are the moments that matter. The moments that matter are the ones that you share with intimate people. I'm not talking about some kind of sexual relationship. I'm talking about the moments that somebody in there with tears in their eyes pulls you to the side and says, I've got to talk to you about this. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. God has specific plans for his church as well, not just your life. He has plans for the capital C church the body of Christ. He has plans for this local assembly right here. He has plans for Refuge Church. He has plans for this campus right here. 
He has plans for 811 Liberty Street. He has plans for Mark Tree, Arkansas. And they are good, believe it or not. I want to live in the plan of God. How many of you want to live in the plan of the Lord? I want to be right where he is. I don't want to be anywhere that he isn't. If he's not over there, I don't want to be over there. If he's over here, then I want to be over here. I don't want to be anywhere he isn't. And guess what? When he moves, so will I. I want to grow in the plan of God. I want to perpetuate my obedience to the command of God. And over the last few weeks, we've talked in depth about dominion planned, dominion produced, dominion promised. And today we're going to wrap this series up by dominion perpetuated. John chapter 15, verse number 16. You need to commit this one to your memory. You did not choose me. But I chose you. How many of you are thankful that he chose you? But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. He said, I, you didn't choose me. You didn't even know to choose me, but I wanted you. Aren't you so thankful that in that while we were yet sinners, Romans tells us that Christ died for us. I couldn't have chosen him if I wanted to. I, now, when I had the revelation of who he was, yes, I wanted him. But he wanted me long before I wanted him. And he said, and I would that you would go and that you would bear fruit and your fruit would remain. Dominion occurs because fruit that is produced remains. In fact, it's not even dominion that occurs. It is multiplication that occurs. Dominion is just the result of a perpetuated multiplication. That's what it is. If you continue to multiply again and again and again, at some point you're going to take over. How do you know that? Because if you go outside, praise God this day's coming soon, when the dandelions start popping up out of the ground. Brother Mark, if you run over one of them with that lawnmower, there's going to be a hundred of them right there. Why? Because that one little plant, that one little weed, your little girl is going to walk outside and pick that dandelion up and go, Whoo! and all of a sudden there's going to be dandelions everywhere in your yard. And you're going to be looking around, how did all of these get here? And you'll see her pick up another one and go, Whoo! and then another one and go, Whoo! and you just go crank the lawnmower up because you know it's going to happen. If you take that one and you blow on it and it spreads again, there's going to be more. If you do that again, there's going to be more. You do that again, there's going to be more and more and more until your whole yard looks like a cotton field because all it's got in it is dandelions. Multiplication perpetuated fosters dominion. And so what we're talking about is the nth degree of this in that, that we would continue to have dominion on the earth. Just like he said, but you won't have it if you don't bear fruit. We have fruit now because last year's seed was planted again this year. You will have fruit next year because the fruit or the seed of this year's harvest is planted again. What are you saying? Fruit remains not because it is eternal, but because the seed continues on. How many of you know fruit don't last forever? It remains. It remains because the seed continues. 
fruit remain, fruit's going to last how long? A week, maybe. You go buy some organic bananas that ain't got all the hormones in them, they're going to last two or three days, four days, maybe. They start turning brown. Somebody's going to start making banana bread at some point, and you can't eat them all fast, or, or uh, apples or oranges or whatever. They're going to last a week or two at most. They don't stay around forever. But that seed, that seed matters. Why? Because the seed is what holds the potential for next year's harvest. And have you ever noticed that many fruit, I'm not saying all, because I know it's not all. You got some peaches in there every once in a while. But many fruit contains dozens of seeds for the next one. Think about a strawberry. How many little seeds are all over that little strawberry? Or a watermelon. I think it's ungodly to have uh, seedless watermelon. I mean, it's not the way God created it to be. It is, it is a product of a laboratory that you have a seedless watermelon. All watermelons are born or produced with seeds in them. If you went all the way back, bananas were almost unedible because there were so many seeds in them. You didn't know that. There were so many seeds in a natural banana that you almost could not eat it because it was so full of seed. If we eat the seed, though, we negate the harvest for next year. The seed is something that we have to hold on to. The harvest is what we consume, but the seed is what we hold for a time so that we can put it back into the ground again because multiplication is locked up in the fruit's seed. If we are not fruitful, we will never be able to multiply. Our ability to bear fruit is what allows us to multiply. We multiply because we bear fruit. If our fruit remains and continues to bear fruit and drop seed, then dominion becomes the result of perpetuated multiplication. I cannot have dominion without multiplying, and I cannot multiply if I don't have fruit. See, we will never get to the place to where we do not need to be fruitful. You will never get to a place in your life that you do not get to be fruitful. You say, Pastor, what if I am past my time? Then you better reach down deep in that bag of seed you've got and start dropping them out as you go. Because, see, sometimes these farmers will take these seeds and they'll store them up. And they'll hold them seeds. They'll hold them seeds. They'll dry them out. They'll package them. They'll set them flower seeds in that, in that Hallmark bookstore. How many of you used to buy little packages of flower seeds at the, at the dollar store? Or you could, I, I felt like you could buy them on the little thing that spun around. And you'd pull sunflower seeds or you'd pull little whatever seeds. And they, how long do you think them things sat in a warehouse? It couldn't have been, I mean, it, it wasn't two or three weeks, y'all. It was months that it sat in there. Seasons went by and that seed was held there. See, there are points in your time where you are bearing fruit in, in your life, where you are allowing seed to be put inside of you so that you can bear fruit. But then when the time comes and I can't bear fruit right now, I'm going to have to be the one that sows the seed. See, there's two separate instances here. There's got to be a season in my life where I am constantly receiving seed so that I can bear fruit and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. And then there comes a time in my life where I have stopped being the one that is bearing quite as much fruit and am the one that is starting to do the sowing. 
early in my life, and it's even continued now. And I often wondered why this happened. When God called me to preach when I was 17 years old, my life changed. Everything about me changed. Well, praise God, Pastor. No, I'm talking about how I went to church was different. I couldn't go to it. I went to church all the time. We went to revival service, to revival service, to revival service. That's all we did. That's Sierra and I dated at church. That's how it happened. And so we would go from place to place to place, and I would end up at these services. And every time I'd get ready to, it'd be almost time for the altar call. I'd feel the Spirit of God start moving. And every time the evangelist or the person who was preaching that night They'd point me out in the crowd and say, come here, young man. The Lord's got a word for you. And they'd call me up to the front. They'd lay hands on me, prophesy, all of these things. Everywhere I went, I could not avoid it. I'd sit in the back of the church. I would sit, and I remember this one night. I was sitting midways back so that I could be inconspicuous. I sat down and I was, I was sitting there. I was just listening to uh, my spiritual mother preach that night. She was near us. And I remember sitting there thinking, I'm just going to be real still. If I'm quiet, nobody's going to call me out. No, didn't happen. Didn't happen. I remember the word that I got that night too, a lot of it at least. And I got pulled time and time and time again. It happened this weekend. And, and it's just all, all everywhere I go, every, every guest speaker that we would have come to refuge always had to pull me out. Why? Are you special? No. That not, has nothing to do with it. What it has, and if you ask the right people, if my Mima was here, she'd tell you I was special. But if, if they, would, they would do this, and, and what, it, what it finally realized was, I finally realized it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with it. This was a, the time in my life where I was going to receive the most seed. I'm receiving 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 seed. And now what I find myself doing with every person that I, that I come in contact with, I'm dropping seed here. And I'm dropping seed here. I'm dropping seed here. I'm dropping seed here. I, I'm, I, I'm, I would sit in the cafe at Mark Tree for hours, waiting, praying. I would sit there and say, all right, Lord, who is it that needs to come in here that I'm supposed to talk to? And I'd sit there for two hours uh, at lunchtime. And he'd say, Pastor, you had that much time to spend? That's what I was here to do. I knew that I had to sow seed. And, and I dropped seed here. And I dropped seed here. And then guess what? I met the right person. And then this door opened. And I, I dropped a little more seed here. And then I, I, I met the other right person. I, Dropped a little more seed here, dropped a little more, and the lead team comes around, and I've got you know dozens and dozens of people that have come through lead team under Sierra and I, and I've, I've dropped seed here and here and here and here, and different staff pastors and new hires and all of this stuff that I'm dropping seed, 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 seed. Why? Because my sack was full. And here's what's incredible. This is what I love about sowing seed and bearing fruit, fruit that remains. I thought that my time of receiving seed had come to an end. And then there came a time in my life recently where I reached way down and I couldn't find any more seed. And I'm like, Lord, I'm supposed to do this. You've called me to do this. I don't have any more seed. And then he sequesters me away. I'm telling you some personal things today. He sequesters me away for moments that I've had in which I'm receiving again more seed more seed, 
So what that does is me is it bears fruit. I'm receiving seed, not so that I can just pass it through and plant it. Do you understand that the multiplication happens inside of you? Seed gets put in, fruit is born, and then for every seed that bears fruit, it contains more seed than was put in. If I turn around and just give away everything that has been thrown on me, I'm never going to bear fruit, and I will limit the ability of God's multiplication in my life because I'm not letting that seed take root. Sometimes you hear things during sermons, during messages, when somebody's preaching, you hear the word of the Lord, it stirs within you, and then you turn around and try to give it right off to somebody else. Boy, I learned this, I'm ready to give it to them. Sometimes you need to learn things and let them simmer. You need to listen to a message and not try to preach it to somebody else. You need to let it simmer. You need to let that seed germinate in your soul. You need to let it get down in your mind, will, and your emotions and allow it to shift and change you. Because if you will allow the seed that is put in you to bear fruit before you try to sow it again, you'll, you'll drastically increase your ability to bear fruit and fruit that remains. Because you will become a hotbed for seed reproduction. Jesus tells his disciples, you got to bear fruit. Why? Because he had sown seed in them. The three and a half years of ministry that they followed him was all about seed being sown. Jesus spent a lot of time with the masses of people. When he would heal their sick, teach them truths about the kingdom, he spent days and hours with them. But he spent even more time with the 12. This is important. I need you to hear this this morning. I need you, if you're with me, say I'm with you. It, was just the, it wasn't just the masses that were his focus. It, in fact, his focus was probably even more so or largely on the 12. Why? How do you know that? Because he was the one that told, it was the 12 that he told about receiving the Holy Spirit. Why didn't he do that when he fed the 5,000? Why didn't he tell the 5,000, you go wait in Jerusalem? Why did he tell the 12, you wait in Jerusalem and not the 5,000? Because he had sown seed in the 12. The people had come to eat his fruit. They had come to receive and eat at Jesus' table. When they would come as the thousands, they needed healing. They weren't expecting to receive seed. They needed their, their lame foot healed. They needed their dead loved one raised. They needed their blind eyes open. They wanted to hear his teaching. There was a handful that would stay around and wanted to hear his teaching. But it was the 12 that he would take away and at night sit there around the campfire and discuss the deep things of God and allow them to receive seed into their life. And so he tells them, you go, wait in Jerusalem. You're the ones that are going to wait. He sowed seed for three and a half years into 12 people. Why did he not just try to build it as big as he could? That's, this, is, this is something I love to talk about. Why did he not just build the church as big as he could while he was here and then just hope that it would go on? Because he had to have disciples. He had to have perennial fruit bearers. What do you mean? It comes out every year. 
And he had to have these guys that would produce fruit and fruit that would remain. Why? Because that was the only way it was going to stand. See, the 5,000, the 10,000, however many thousands it was that he would have around him, they all disappeared when it came time for the cross. And the 12 almost left him too. In fact, he even thought they were going to. He said, everybody else has forsaken me. Will you now too? They said, we're going to go. And they stayed as long as they could. And then they got scared and they ran and hid. And Jesus told them, he says, you've got to be the ones that bear fruit. He wanted them to bear fruit. Why? Because he spent all of his time on 12 people. What a risk. What a risk. Everything, the plan of God from the beginning of time, from the fall of man, hung on the ability of 12 random dudes to follow what he taught them in three and a half years. If you went to college, you figured out real quick that what happened in them three and a half years was pretty much a blur anyways. I went for six. Now I got a couple of degrees out of it, but like I went for six years and I couldn't write down half of the things I know or was taught. Couldn't tell you a fourth of it probably. So you're looking at that and say, did they learn everything in three and a half years? No, they just learned how to bear fruit. They learned what it was to make disciples. Notice this, when Jesus told them, I'm a, I don't want to get ahead of myself. When he told them to bear fruit and fruit that remains, he had to have been thinking of the world that one day would know him. How do you know that Jesus had the world in mind when he told them to go bear fruit? Because that's what he told them to do in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. He said, but you will receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When he told them to have bear fruit and fruit that would remain, I have to believe this is what he was thinking about. Filling the earth with, with kingdom people was the plan all along. Filling the earth with kingdom people was everything that God had planned from the beginning. The world is his. We are his children. He created the earth, right? In seven days. There needs to be more folks that love Jesus and serve in the kingdom all over this world. We all might not look the same. Probably not going to come from the same homes. Not going to talk the same. But the plan was not to create clones. It was to bear fruit. Fruit that would remain. So what do we do? As I come to a close and we wrap this up. What do we do? What do we do with this? We bear fruit. The only way to multiply is to bear fruit. If we can't bear fruit, we can forget about multiplication. But how do we bear fruit? By receiving seed. We need to be poured into. In order to multiply, you have to have first have seed sown. Seed has to be sown into you. We're talking about multiplying, but seed has to be sown into you. And it has been, but it needs to continually be. Because I'm looking at a group full of people that are ripe for harvest. You've got seed in you. And now it's time for you to put seed on the ground too. But it's, see, both can happen at the same time. This is what's so unique. I've taught the, the discipleship class, was it last week, Tracy? I think it was last week at church for the lead team. This is what I'm talking about today. Perpetual dominion is just discipleship. Perpetual multiplication, multiplication that continues to occur again and again and again, year after year, 
It's just discipleship. It's godly discipleship. I know it's not super interesting from time to time, but this is what we're going to do to sustain the church. It's not the shout that sustains the church. It is this fundamental truth that we do what Jesus called us to do in Matthew 28 when he looks at them and says, go into all the world and make what? Disciples. Man. There was no other choice. There was nothing else to do. He didn't say, go and build my church. He did not tell them to build his church. Why? Because except the Lord build the church, they that labor, labor in vain. It was never my job to build the church. It was his. Oh, that ought to set us free today. That the freedom and the growth of the church of God was not dependent upon my labor. My job in all of this is to go and make disciples. So when you come in contact with people, it's not about just getting them to church. Yeah, I hope that they do come to church. I want them to come. I can't wait, Scott, for this day to be full. This whole church to be full. And we'll fill it up a couple of times. And then we'll build another building and fill it up too. How incredible will that day be? That's awesome. But it's got to be that when they come in here, they leave here and go get more. And if they come here and leave here and go get more, what is that? That means they're being a disciple. I'm following Jesus. Going and making disciples. People that multiply are just disciplers. Churches all over this world live by this principle. They just don't call it multiply. It's discipleship. Multiplication is discipleship. Discipleship is finding young people. And it's not just people that are younger than you. I've got people that follow, follow the, my leadership. In fact, most of the people that follow my leadership are older than I am. Because the kingdom of God's backwards sometimes. You got to find somebody you can pour into. But even more so than that, you're going to run out of what you can pour if you don't have a, fa a faucet that you're under. If you don't have someone pouring into you, you you're going to run out of seed. And I remember, and, and, and that has become so prevalent in my life right now that I am finding the people that are willing to pour and, they're, and, 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 and I receive and I receive and I receive and I receive for the purpose of distributing the more I can give the more I can receive how many of you are thankful for the full times I'm thankful that when I feel the fullness of God's spirit, I'm thankful when I feel the fullness of his presence and glory in my life, but I also know what it's like to feel empty. And that emptiness occurs from pouring out. And you think, well, I don't know that I'm doing that. Every day that you live, you live with a hole in your bucket. Every conversation you have that you didn't blow up at somebody and you used to would have took a little bit of that. It took a little bit of that. I think of it, and I hate to use this. Some people, will, their skin will crawl when I say this. But I think, about, I think about the movie, The Santa Claus, when he would look at his watch, and every time he performed some kind of little miraculous act, that little dial would go back a little bit. 
the only difference is when his ran out, he couldn't get back to the North Pole. When mine runs out, I just get under the spout where the glory comes out. Richard knew it was coming. I'm just going to get under the spout where the glory comes out. And then I'm going to be filled back again. And I'm going to let it out. And I'm going to be filled back. See, it's not a problem to be empty. You've had a lot of things go on in your life. There's been a lot of things that have taken away, that have sucked life out of you. Get filled again. Be filled with the Spirit. Be refilled with the Spirit. And then go out and give it away as fast as you can so that you can be filled again. Give it away so that you can be filled again. If I believe, now I'm going to go out on a limb here, if somebody will give me 90 seconds. Scripture talks about being free from evil spirits. And if you get free from one, your house is swept clean, but it's not filled. What does it say? Seven more will come back. If the enemy has a twisted version of everything that God does, I have to believe that whenever I release what is inside of me, that I'm going to be filled with that much more. So if I can give away some, he's going to give me any more, even more. If I'm going to give out this much, I'm going to be filled again to overflowing. My cup overflows. I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to multiply. That he has made me to be fruitful, just like he's made you. And at every age... Multiplication becomes the theme of what we do. Because whether you're young and you are receiving seed upon seed, or whether it is transitioned into the life that you are going to sow and sow, it never eludes the church that we would go and bear fruit and fruit that would remain. I'm believing that today is the day that we leave here and go and bear fruit that stewards multiplication and perpetuates dominion. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and for your word. And Lord, I pray right now, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, would you allow this word to, to bear fruit in our life because it was so deep into the soil of our heart. And allow it to be perpetuated again and again in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, everything you're saying sounds great to me. But more than anything, I need to make my life right with Jesus. I need to make it right. There's something in between me and him. And I know that it has separated me from him. And I want to be desperately connected to him. I want to be saved. I want to be redeemed. If that's you, I'm not going to call you out or make you do anything weird. I just want you to put your hand up and write back down so I know to pray. Praise the Lord. Somebody else, be honest with the Lord today. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm just here to help you. Let's pray together this morning, church. And then I want you to pray it like I do. It's not magical words. It is just a verbal commitment that you're going to follow Jesus, and that will be seen throughout the life that you live. If you would, say it like this. Say, Father, I come to you today to confess all of my sin. I know that I am away from you. I believe 
that your son and his sacrifice has paid for me. I commit my life to you. Everything that I am is yours. Everything that I will be is yours. I will follow you all of the days that I live in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, over every person in this room that has a heart and a desire to be fruitful and multiply, would you bless them? Would you let them be, uh, be, be blessed in their going and in their coming, Lord? Would they have fruit and fruit that would remain? Let their, their bag be full with seed and let their heart be overflowing with your fruitfulness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that you have made us to be exactly who we are and you have made us fruitful. And Lord, we're believing that our fruit is going to remain in Jesus' name. Amen.